Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor of VHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Karen D. Hamill of Hale & Hardy about keeping workers safe in cold weather conditions. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Karen Hamill, regulatory expert, trainer, and technical writer for Hale & Hardy. Welcome, Karen. Thank you. Um, and we're going to talk today about... Um, Working in cold weather uh, and sort of some some tips and advice, uh, you know, for folks who have to do that sort of outdoor work in the winter. Um, but first, I wanted to, uh, you know, even though I've had you on the program before, I was wondering if you could just sort of uh, tell the folks a little bit about yourself and about um, what you do for Hale and Hardy. Okay. I am a certified safety professional and, and instructional trainer. I also am an OSHA authorized outreach trainer. My background is in both safety and environmental, also a lot of emergency response. I was able to get into that very early in my career, and it's interesting to see how all three of those fields play together and how important it is to take what you know from one field and and apply it to another. I've been in environmental health and safety for about 27 years. And at Hale and Hardy, I am their regulatory expert, content provider, and trainer. Excellent. Well, we we spoke a few months back about um, heat stress. Obviously, it was a big issue this year. Um, you know, some states had sort of uh, enacted their own um, requirements for you know working in the heat, and then there was sort of a OSHA started to take some action about uh, you know pr- a proposed standard um, for for heat stress, but. Um, want to talk today about the cold and, and, you know, some things that, you know, folks should keep in mind when they're, when they're working in the cold. Um, what, what, how does cold stress affect workers? Cold stress affects workers in a lot of different ways. And it, it has been interesting to see OSHA moving on the heat stress topic. So maybe when they get that, that finalized, they'll, they'll look at cold stress as well. Mm-hmm. Anytime that a worker has to work in extreme conditions, whether it's hot or cold, it does have a lot of effects on the person. We know that when you're working in cold weather, of course, you can't be out for four hours at a time or two hours at a time. Sometimes depending on the temperature, the humidity, the wind, it may only be safe to be out for five or six minutes at a time because your your core temperature can drop so quickly in a number of different conditions when you're working outdoors. Also, we need to allow for differences there's it's very hard to say okay it's zero degrees and the wind's five miles an hour so that means that anybody could work outside for 10 minutes safely Mm -hmm. that might not always be the case because depending on whether or not that worker is acclimated depending on health conditions a lot of things can factor into whether or not that person is truly going to be safe outside for 10 minutes so it it can affect the worker's ability to not only do the job, but to do it properly and to do it safely. We know that as we start to succumb to any kind of a cold stress condition, whether it's hypothermia, frostbite, we start to lose those faculties. So we start to become confused. We start to get sleepy. We start to have the those fine skills that, that we would normally have on a normal day and under normal weather conditions. They can they can affect a person's ability to do something even if they've done it for years and years at a time. 
So it's, it's interesting. There are some kind of parallels with with heat stress. I mean, obviously not the same effects, but but you know clearly the whole you know getting uh, acclimated to you know the temperature and you know you, there's a lot of different things that uh, obviously you know you can kind of even though you've been doing the same work for many years, you can still you know have some problems if you're not properly ready for you know cold weather. You can. And a lot of the things that we see with working in heat apply to working in the cold as well. So the importance of staying hydrated, the importance of having a proper diet, the importance of looking at what you're wearing. So when it's hot outside, we don't wear 10 layers of clothes, but when it's cold, we might. So mm -hmm. a lot of the, a lot of those parallels can be drawn. And, and also working in heat, we see that, okay, we can't work for an hour in the heat. Maybe we can only work 10 minutes. Same thing applies in the cold. It's just sort of the opposite end of the spectrum. So what are some tips um, for employers to help prevent cold stress in workers? Tips for employers. First one would be to, to have a plan. Even though at the federal level, OSHA doesn't require you to have a plan for working in the cold weather, they do recognize it as a health hazard, as a safety hazard too. An employee. So it, it is something that even though there's not a standard and even though if they were to enforce it, it would only be under the general duty clause, it's really a good idea to have a plan and address it the same way that you would address other hazards in your workplace. So look at the processes, the job duties that require somebody to be in a cold situation. And I think it's important to note as well that it's not always outdoor that's cold. You could have employees who are working in cold conditions that are indoors. Maybe they need to go into freezers mm -hmm. or maybe they're going into uh, confined spaces that are underground and cold. There, there are a lot of different places that we may overlook as, as being cold, but recognizing those places and recognizing what the general job duties are when somebody is in that situation. So for example, if you've got somebody who needs to be outside and the job takes half an hour to complete on a normal day, maybe instead of one person being able to do that, the plan says, all right, you know what? We need two people to do this because they can only safely be outside for 15 minutes. But just recognizing those things and having that plan in place is important because that plan is also going to incorporate the other things that will be necessary for people to do their jobs correctly. So having the right tools and equipment, having warming shelters, having hot beverages ready, keeping spare dry clothes, whatever those factors are that, that you figure out within the plan when you do that job hazard analysis or that job safety analysis, having the plan is going to kind of direct what else might be needed to keep that workforce safe in, in those cold conditions. Um. Do you see companies paying as much attention to working in the cold as they would to working in the heat? From what I've seen, it kind of depends upon the industry sector. Mm -hmm. For example, utilities do an excellent job of that because they have people who, let's face it, when, when the weather gets really bad, when the ice builds up, who's the first out restoring the power? utility workers. So they know their people are going to need to be out in those really bad conditions. I think emergency responders also do a pretty good job of that. They recognize that when the weather gets bad, they're the ones who are out. But uh, other industries, maybe not so much. They, especially if 
even if they're working outdoors, and even if they do that on a regular basis, they may not be as keen to recognize that as a hazard as some other industries are. So I, I, I feel that really some industries do a better job than others with that. Um, how much of a problem is hypothermia? Um, I mean, obviously it's a serious condition that you, you know, you can expose yourself to in the cold, but, uh, is, is it something that, you know, I guess it sort of falls along with the, the last question. Um, are, are folks who have, you know, people working outside, are they, are they adequately preparing them for hypothermia? I, I guess, like you said, it sort of depends on, I, I, I would imagine even it depends on the region. If you're, you know, in the Northeast and you're used to having cold weather in the winter, you'd probably be a little more attuned to it than maybe if you were somewhere that, you know, it doesn't get it that often. I, I would agree with that completely, Jay, and especially in southern states where they're not used to it. And that's something that I came to recognize when I was sent to Texas to do a training for a facility. And the temperature was around, I'll say, 38 degrees. I didn't even put a jacket on. Mm-hmm. When I got to the facility, the workers there were like, oh, man, you forgot your jacket. Oh, do you need a sweatshirt? We can grab you one. I'm like, no, it feels great to me because I, I had left Pennsylvania where the temperature was sub-zero and the winds were, were crazy. And going there, to me, that was warm. But to them, it was cold. As a matter of fact, we were we were going to do a spill response training outdoors, and we had to move that indoors because it was too cold for them. In, in their opinion, in their because they they weren't acclimated to it, right. that was too cold for them to be outside. So, it it definitely is something that, if for for somebody who's grown up in the north, to me, forty degrees, thirty degrees doesn't feel cold. But to somebody who doesn't have that acclimation and isn't used to working in those conditions, that that's not something that they are as readily able to deal with. So I, I do believe that it's important to to recognize that and and also to realize that, especially as a lot of workplaces are looking at retirement of of the boomer age generation, they 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 were a little hardier or they've been on the job longer. They're used to things. They're bringing in new people and and you're bringing in that new workforce. They may not have that same knowledge skill sets that that the boomers had so I, I think it's something that's important to look at training and look at those conditions and and create those plans and take the time to acclimate everyone because there there just has been so much change in so many workforces no matter what your region no matter what your job or or industry line is especially with extreme sort of weather events too. I mean, we're, I think we're seeing more. Uh, I heard, I think the other day there was a snow in Hawaii. So, you yes. know, you, you can get uh, cold weather anywhere, I guess, nowadays. So, um, so yeah, I guess, you know, even if you don't think it's, you know, going to be an issue most of the time, you should still be prepared for, you know, some kind of uh, cold weather, like, uh, you know, uh, events happening with the climate change and with everything that we've seen in weather patterns, both hot and cold, I I think that's important to note that even though it hasn't traditionally been cold for you before, you may start seeing some of that cold weather and and you may need to prepare for it differently than you have in the past. Um, Definitely. 
What are some uh, some other hazards re related to cold weather? I mentioned hypothermia. What what are some other things that you know to kind of watch out for um, you know, when you've got folks working in the cold? Uh, hypothermia definitely because that the, the best thing that you can do for hypothermia is to prevent it. So keep your extremities covered. Keep make sure you've got a good pair of boots. Make sure you've got gloves. You've got hats. Keep everything dry. That's another important thing when, when we're talking about hypothermia. Frostbite is also an important one. And it's one that I think a lot of us take for granted, especially in, in cold weather. We don't realize how quickly extremities especially can become frostbitten. It doesn't even have to be freezing for frostbite to occur. So if okay. you're if you're looking at it, it absolutely does. So if you're looking even at even in 40 degrees, if you've got a 40 degree day, but the winds are 40 to 50 miles an hour, you can actually get frostbite in less than an hour. Hmm. So that's something that we we usually associate frostbite with those super, super cold temperatures, but it can occur in temperatures that that are above freezing. So I think that's something that is is very often overlooked. I think also we take for granted that we have everything that we need when we're not necessarily doing something that we could, would consider outdoor work. So for example, we've got a lot of people who who drive for work. Mm -hmm. They're they're on a sales team or they're making service calls whatever. What's going to happen if your car breaks down? Are you prepared? I, I think that's something that is often overlooked in relation to cold weather hazards. Just having your car prepared, having an extra blanket in it, having a few bottles of water, having the an emergency kit, what, whatever that means for for your vehicle to be prepared, or even not, even not so it doesn't break down. Not bringing warm clothing because you think you're just going to be in the car for ten minutes. Um, exactly. You know, and then you get stuck, and you suddenly don't have a you know the right jacket or gloves or whatever. So, especially for for us northerners who are like, oh well, it's not that cold out. <laughs> Which I'm I'm only running to the supermarket. I'm fine. Uh, but yes, if if the car breaks down, if if you're in an accident or whatever, you you may not be properly prepared to stand outside of your vehicle or wait for help to come. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, when is it too cold to work outside? What, I mean, what's the, you know, is there a general cutoff point or is it sort of that also depend on circumstances? It, it is sort of dependent on circumstances. As I mentioned, if you've got a workforce that's not acclimated, that temperature is going to be a lot higher than somebody who has, is used to being out in the cold and has acclimated to it and and also look at health conditions as well if you've got people who are kind of in peak performance good health they're going to be able to stay out longer than somebody who has an underlying health condition but realistically there there are some good charts and some good guidelines out there for that that, that at least give you a starting point for example the acgih has a, has threshold limit values for cold, the same way they do for heat, actually. And they they go by the temperature as well as the wind speeds. And looking at those, when when the winds are, when, when the temperature is around freezing and the winds hit about 15 miles an hour, that's where they start to place limitations on how how long they consider a healthy worker to be safe within the in those outdoor cold conditions. And looking at those, when you hit freezing or zero degrees, 
they're start look, starting to look at if the wind is 15 miles an hour and it's zero degrees, you really shouldn't be out in those cold conditions. And as and again, as the temperature goes down and as the winds go up, that that stop work uh, comes comes at a at a quicker pace. And also Noah, or is it Noah? Yes, Noah has a has a wind chill chart as well. And the nice thing about that is again, it's using temperature and wind speed. And that's going to tell you how long it's safe to be outside before somebody gets frostbite. And if, if you look at that as a more conservative measure, that's nice because frostbite typically isn't something that's going to be life-threatening and you're going to get frostbite before you would get hypothermia in, in most cases, unless, unless you're soaking wet or, or other conditions apply. So if you look at that as a more conservative view, using that NOAA chart as a guide, looking at that, with, with that one, when you start to look at freezing temperatures, you're looking at conditions where it's not really safe to be out for more than an hour. Mm -hmm. So yes, there definitely are times when, when it is too cold to be outside and when, when work does need to stop to keep a worker safe. Or for an employer, that would be when maybe you need to look at some engineering controls. If you do absolutely have to be outside performing work, what can you do to keep that worker safe that doesn't involve them putting on so many layers that they can't do their work? So maybe they need to be in some kind of a shelter. Maybe it's time to put up a tent around them or you put some kind of a source heater around them so that they have a better working condition and, and can perform that function if it is absolutely necessary. And of course, if it's not, then it really should wait. Yeah. Um... How important are breaks, taking breaks? I mean, we talk, we've talked about, you know, taking a break when it's really hot out. Um, you know, and then you mentioned, you know, folks shouldn't be working in certain temperatures for more than 10 minutes at a time. Would you sort of recommend, you know, having those breaks as well to, to get warm and dry and then, and then maybe going back out? Absolutely. And that's, that's something just, they're just as important in cold weather as they are in hot weather. weather. And, when you consider it, just like overheating and, and becoming too hot, it's all about keeping your core at a, at a good temperature. And it's easier to stay warm than to get warm. So if you do take those breaks, your body is able to keep your core warm and it is able to restore that heat to your extremities so that you don't have that systemic problem and you don't have that hypothermia kind of creeping up on you. So the more you're able to, to stay warm and keep warm and, and at any point, anytime you would get wet when you're working outdoors, even if it's not a break time, the faster you can get dry, the, the better you're going to be able and the better your body is going to be able to cope with those cold symptoms and prevent your core from becoming chilled and developing hypothermia. And you mentioned, you know, the wind chill. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, 20 below for it to really get to you. It could be, you know, even it could be even be 35 degrees, but you know, if you yeah, if you get, if you get wet and then that wind chill kind of whips through, you know, you can really get, uh, get in trouble, uh, fairly quickly. Yes. Yes, you can. And that's something that unfortunately there aren't a lot of resources on wet conditions. So looking at even, even the humidity in the air can be a factor that's often not accounted for. You don't even have to be wet. So let's say that, that you are completely dry. You haven't stepped in a puddle. You haven't begun sweating yet for any reason. But 
let's say that the humidity is 80, 90 percent, it's it's mm -hmm. that's a lot different than it being dry and cold and windy. So something that when you are when you're looking at your plans, factor that in because the the NOAA charts, the ACGIH charts, they really don't factor in that humidity. And we all know just as it does in the summertime, that humidity humidity affects how cold it feels outside to somebody, especially when the wind starts whipping around. And, uh, and you mentioned sort of, you know, you don't necessarily have to be outdoors for this to affect you because, you know, if you're working in a garage or something that's not entirely uh, protected from the out, you know, from the, from the cold, you, you know, it's still going to get pretty cold in there. It may, it may not be the same as being, you know, outside, you know, totally unprotected, but you can still get, you know, if you're working in, a garage that's like, uh, you know, in the thirties, um, throughout the day, you know, there still needs to be, uh, you know, these heaters and things to keep people, uh, from getting too, too cold. I would think. Right. Right. Heaters and, and taking those breaks, keeping, keeping warm beverages handy. Uh, and another thing, another one that people often overlook a group that people often overlook are people working on loading docks. Mm -hmm. because yeah. they figure, oh, they're inside, I, I'm not really, and they're not in a freezer, but when you're opening those dock doors 10, 11 times an hour or, or right. more, right. Uh, it, it can be very, very cold on loading docks and in, in warehouses and storage areas that we wouldn't traditionally think of as being cold. Those can actually be very cold and, again, put that worker at risk because it's consistently lower than your body temperature. So it's something that your your body is going to be constantly using energy to to stay warm and to keep warm so make sure those workers are protected as well keep them make sure they've got the right layers if they can wear mittens have them wear mittens if they if they need a hat have them in a hat uh, and, mm -hmm. and again provide them with those breaks possibly more often so that they do have the chance to get warm and, and keep their core temperatures where they need to be and i guess another sort of basic danger uh in the winter weather is uh the threat of slipping and falling you know on ice and snow um, you know, obviously, you know, if you're, if you have a business where you've got customers, you're, you know, you're going to clear, you know, clear the walk, keep everything salted. But I guess, you know, it's also important just to make sure that, you know, your workers are, are protected from, uh, from falling because you don't want them falling either. Sure. That is something. And, and also consider the person who's going to be doing the clearing of that snow. That's, right. that's a cold weather task. But another one that we, we sometimes overlook is, okay, somebody's got to go out there and snow blow the sidewalks or, or shovel the sidewalks and put the snow melt out and, and, and do those things. So that's usually that might fall into a maintenance category, somebody who is, is performing other maintenance tasks at your facility, or it could be contracted through a landscaper. I know that's done a lot around in this area, especially. Yeah. But it, that is important. And, and also those because slip and fall injuries, if you if you have the potential for that, if you're not taking care of those things, that is one more element that that worker needs to be considering when they're out doing that cold weather work. So not only do they have the task and the fact that it's cold out and the fact that the wind is blowing, they've also got to worry about is my footing sure? So it's it's you're you're just adding to that risk that they're already experiencing. Right. Even if, if you're doing construction or some, that kind of work, I mean, it just adds another element of danger to whatever you're doing. You know, if you're on a roof or something like that and it gets, you know, wet or icy, then, uh, you know, obviously, you know, it's a, just another, uh, another thing to worry about. It is, it is. It's just, just 
adding risk to to the risk that's already there. So we always want to reduce risk. So if we can, if if that means that we need to stop and shovel, then then we should do that so that we're we're at least minimizing or helping to minimize the risk that they're already facing. Um, so if you're like a, if you're a safety manager or a, at, a, at a company, um, you know, how, how do you recommend sort of preparing for, uh, you know, cold weather situations before they actually happen? You know, again, like, like with the, in the summertime, sort of watching the weather reports and, and kind of, um, you know, having things set up in advance, like breaks and shelter and things like that. Unfortunately, there's not a nice neat app like they have for heat stress. The NIOSH put out a heat stress, NIOSH and OSHA mm -hmm. jointly put out a heat stress app. And it's nice because it's, it kind of gives you all those guidelines all, all on a nice tidy little app. There, there isn't one yet for cold weather. It would be nice if they had one. But until then, some things that that would help are to just make people aware of those weather forecasts. And post whatever your plan is so that people are aware of it. A uh, little late now, but it, it never is too late to really start acclimating. Mm -hmm. Acclimation can really start, especially in Northern regions, acclimation might start as soon as you get through heat stress, so August, September. So uh, we're, we're kind of looking at it being a little later now, but maybe for, for Southern regions, we're, we, you may be starting to hit that time, but mm -hmm. having people acclimate making sure that they have the the layers that they need, making sure that they have the resources that they need to do their jobs correctly. So unfortunately, OSHA doesn't require the the employer to buy outerwear, normal outerwear. So so you're not required as an employer to buy a winter coat, but consider whether or not that's going to help your worker, especially if they're outdoors that may be a great opportunity to buy them a winter coat that also has reflective properties on it. So now it's also a safety item for them. So, and, and also what's nice about that is it's not yet another layer that they have to put on after they've put on that winter coat. So that's something that even though it's not required, there are a lot of opportunities to reduce risk and improve your workers' performance and, and improve their safety by providing something that technically you you may not have to. Uh, and when you talk about acclimating, typically like how how long um, or how, you know, I guess what's sort of the gradual uh, uh, amount of time to acclimate somebody to the cold? Usually if, if the person is generally healthy, there are no underlying health conditions, uh, they're not, above 65 years old or or extremely young and, and we shouldn't have anybody under 12 working so so that shouldn't be a factor uh, let's hope um, in, in those normal in those normal conditions without underlying health conditions usually it's it's anywhere from five days to to two weeks now with health conditions that are underlying so this could be people that have heart conditions people that are anemic Take a take a lot longer to acclimate into a cold situation than than an, a, a healthy person. So look at those people with health conditions. They may take longer, but usually within two weeks, most people, a majority people of people, have acclimated into those colder temperatures. What's hard is that I know, especially in our region, we get a day where it's twenty degrees, and the next day yeah. is fifty, yeah, and the yeah. next day is forty. So that that's what kind of makes acclimation hard is is that sometimes you don't get that 
solid week where you've got a more consistent temperature. Yeah, I think it's we're supposed to get snow today, and then it's supposed to be 65 on, I think, two <laughs> days from now, three days from now. So it's, that makes acclimation harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Kathy, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, obviously, uh, great advice for, uh, for folks as we uh, get into these cold months. Thank you very much. Thank you. That wraps up episode 91 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time. Thank you.